The reading today is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Morning everyone, happy Easter, nice to see you all. We're going to turn to our reading in just a moment. If you've got a Bible there, then open it up. Uh, But let's pray before we look at that. Lord God, we'll be looking today at your power and your humility. And Lord God, I pray that as we look at your word, these two things would come home to us and help us to worship you more today. In Jesus' name, amen. So hopefully we'll have a slide up. As I said, we're looking at God's power and humility today. Now, you could divide our reading into three parts. You've got the messenger, the message, and the master. First of all, the messenger, the angel, appears to the women. Then he gives them the message that Jesus has risen from the dead. And then the women see the risen Jesus himself. That's the master. And this morning, I want to do something really simple. I want to compare the messenger and the master. And as we compare them, I hope you'll see two really important things about God. I hope you'll see God's power and his humility. Power is pretty obvious, isn't it? I mean, his strength, his ability, his authority. Humility, that's not quite the right word, actually, to talk about God. But there isn't really a better word. When I say humility, I mean God is not proud, he's not arrogant, but he uses his power for the good of others. He cares about ordinary people, he's kind. Now that's what I mean by humility. And when we keep those two things in mind, then worshipping God is actually really easy. If you think about our late queen, she was extremely popular. And I think she was popular because she kept these two things in balance, didn't she? She was very powerful, but she would never boast about her power or popularity, shall we say. She'd never boast about her popularity. She'd never boast about her immense wealth. Instead, she was very humble. She would always be ready to chat to an ordinary person, like you or me. 
She was always kind. And I think she was, she was like that because she was a Christian. Uh, she kept in mind these two things about God, God's power and humility, and she followed her Lord's example. And as a result of that, she was very popular. You see, it's very attractive, and God is very attractive because he is so powerful and yet so humble, if that's the right word. So I hope you'll see God's power and his humility as we compare the messenger and the master this morning. Let's start with the messenger. This is verse 1 of our reading. After Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Here we go. Here's the messenger. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. We have this beautiful painting here by Eileen Bulsara, who I don't think is here today, but um, I'm really pleased that we've been able to tap into some of the artists in the church. We had uh, Diane painting something for us last August, and we've got this beautiful picture of the stone having been rolled away. Here we go, back to the messenger. The, The messenger rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, and then we get the message. We're into the second part of our reading. Now, if I had to summarize that description of the angel in just one word, I would choose power. And he's just the messenger. So uh, one thing that I want to stick in our minds today is powerful messenger, powerful master. If uh, you looked out your window one day and the police were stopping the traffic outside and the traffic was stopped and a helicopter came and landed on the street outside your place and someone got out the helicopter and walked up to your door and handed you an envelope, they were a messenger to you, you'd be thinking, who is this person sending me a message by helicopter? And actually, your attention would be drawn away from the helicopter and away from the messenger to the person behind it. And you'll be thinking, who is this that is sending me a messenger by helicopter? Now, angel appearances in the Bible always draw attention away from themselves and always place the attention on God. Powerful messenger, powerful master lying behind it. I want to say a bit more about this angel and about angels in general from our passage. First of all, the Bible is not embarrassed about them. It doesn't try to apologize for the existence of angels. It doesn't try to explain what they are. It doesn't try to convince us that they exist. Let me come back to that point that it doesn't try to explain what they are. The word angel just means messenger. That doesn't even describe what angels are. It just explains what what angels do. If I called something a cutter, you don't know what I'm talking about. You only know what it does. We don't know what angels are, necessarily. We know what they do. So they're a bit of a mystery. But we can say a bit more than that. Secondly, they inspire awe. This is verse 3 of our reading. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. We read, the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Now this has echoes of other descriptions of angels in the Bible. Here's one who appeared to the parents of Samson. You might remember the story of Samson. 
This is the, the angel that appeared to his parents. The woman went to her husband and told him, a man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God, very awesome. And in the visions of Daniel, we read, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning. I've never seen anyone with their face looking like lightning, but it sounds good. Whenever angels appear in the Bible, they are always, always more powerful than humans. And quite often people fall on their faces when they see one. And they are just the messengers. So powerful messenger, powerful master. Thirdly, they come from heaven. Verse 2 of our reading says, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. And we use the word heaven to describe this vast spiritual realm beyond our reach and understanding. We could list some of the things the Bible says lives there, or at least used to live there. We could talk about angels, archangels, cherubim, seraphim, ophanim, rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, Satan, demons, fallen angels, and more. That's all mentioned in the Bible. And the point is, it's either very busy or very big, or maybe a bit of both. Heaven is big and busy. Revelation 5.11 says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. So angels come from heaven. There's a lot to heaven, and we hardly know anything about it. And fourthly, Jesus is the master of heaven. Just after our reading in Matthew, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Powerful messenger, powerful master. Don't forget, the angel who delivered the message to the woman looked like lightning and seems to have kind of slammed into the ground, causing an earthquake, and he caused professional soldiers to faint. But he was just one messenger. And if we take Revelation literally, Jesus has 100 million of them under his control. That's 10,000 times 10,000. I take that as a symbolic figure, meaning a lot. Jesus has a lot of these powerful figures at his control. Now, it's good to remember that science and the Enlightenment have made us quite embarrassed about this kind of thing. I may imagine some of you sitting here this morning are a bit uncomfortable with me talking about angels. Probably weren't expecting that. I think as Christians, we tend to slip into the view today that it's just God and the universe. It's just kind of us here, what we can see around us, what we can test with science, and there may be a God out there who created it all, and there's nothing else. But the Bible teaches there's a lot more out there and God created it all, and he's in charge of it all. It also teaches that he came to earth in the person of Jesus, who we're about to bump into in our account. So, that's the messenger. Let's now turn our attention to the master. Powerful messenger, powerful master. So, what is Jesus going to be like? Maybe there'll be this Huge earthquake, even bigger than the one before. Maybe there'll be some fire bursting from the ground. Maybe the skies will open, and maybe the women will see something like this vision in Daniel 7. 
It says, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. That sounds about right, given what we've seen of the messenger. But instead we get this, verse 8 of our reading. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So let me say three things about the master. First of all, Jesus says hi. Verse 8, greetings, he said to Mary and Mary. Greetings, I know, sounds a bit bit old-fashioned maybe, a bit formal. But the word it's translated from is just the ordinary word for hello. So Jesus says hi. This is the same Jesus who rules heaven and its countless angels and an entire realm that we don't understand and we don't really have access to. Don't have access to, let me say that. And he meets these two women and says hi. Now one day we will all meet Jesus, some of us sooner than others. And when we meet him, What's he going to say to us? I would say if you've never taken the time to get to know Jesus, then maybe like the soldiers in our story, you're just faint in fear. Because he is powerful. But if you've taken the chance to get to know him through his word and through prayer, and you've bowed the knee before him as your Lord and Savior, then maybe you'll meet him and he'll say, Hi. Insert name here. Hi, Sam. Isn't it one of the greatest messages of Easter that death holds no fear for the Christian? And yet, I reckon as each of us approach it, maybe there will be a little bit of a twinge of fear. Well, maybe it's comforting to all of us to think, if we've put our trust in Christ, then, yeah, that moment of death might be scary, it might be painful, it might be uncomfortable, but the minute it's over we'll meet Jesus, and maybe he'll come up to us and say, hi. Jesus says hi. Secondly, Jesus forgives. Another one of the greatest messages of Easter is that Jesus died to save us from our sins so that we could be forgiven. So let's see what that looks like in practice from our account here. The angel said to the women, Jesus has risen from the dead. Go quickly and tell his disciples. Now, last we heard of the disciples, we were in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was about three days before, and the disciples all ran away because they were scared of the mob that was coming to arrest Jesus, and they left Jesus alone. Imagine that. You're standing there with all your friends, and an angry mob is coming to take you, and your friends are like, see ya, I'm off. Not very good friends, really. We read, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. So what's Jesus going to say to them after that? How is he going to treat these guys who just left him to die, basically? 
Well, he repeats the same message that the angel gave to the women, except he doesn't call them his disciples. Listen to what he calls them. The, the angel said, go quickly and tell his disciples. Jesus says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. That is forgiveness. That's what the master offers to you and to me. He offers us forgiveness. And it doesn't matter if we've messed up time and time again. Maybe you've messed up in some way this morning. Maybe you had an argument on the way here or whatever it might be. Jesus forgives. And he says to you and to me, you are my brothers and my sisters. Jesus forgives. And thirdly, Jesus chooses villages over palaces. The master went to Galilee. Well, Jerusalem was the capital city. And Rome was more important than Jerusalem. But Jesus doesn't go to any of those places. He says, I'm going to Galilee. Galilee was held in contempt by the people of Jerusalem. It was a mix of Jew and Gentile. And so in the minds of many devout Jews, it was a place that God had abandoned and forgotten about. But the master wanted to go there so that his light could shine in the darkness. That's what we read at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. He quotes Isaiah, written hundreds of years before, and says, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So if you feel like you're not worthy of God this morning, then God loves you and he wants to meet you. It's like you're living in Galilee and Jesus puts all those powerful cities behind him and says, I am coming to see you. You're in the night before the dawn. God is powerful, but he's humble. He cares about ordinary people like us and he uses his power for our good. Now, I hope I've helped you to see God's power and his humility this morning. And when we take time to reflect on those two things, we'll find that worshiping God is really easy. Mary and Mary knew Jesus well, and they saw this powerful angel. They saw, presumably it was them that told the others about this angel and what he looked like. Who else saw the angel? You know, Mary and Mary said, we saw him. There was an earthquake. His face looked like lightning. His clothes were whiter than we could ever imagine. He was powerful, and I imagine his master was even more powerful and yet the angels did not worship the messenger. But we read, the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell Jesus' disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. This apparently ordinary man just says, hi. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. God is worthy of our praise because he stoops to our level and he says hi to us and he forgives us and he overlooks all of the wrong things we've done because of the death of Jesus on the cross and says, I want to make you my brothers and sisters. So let me finish with the words of, of Psalm 34, verse 8, which say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Let me pray. Lord God, we believe that you are the God of heaven and earth. You are powerful beyond our imagination. 
Even if we just consider this world and the fact that you are the creator of it, then you are powerful, but we believe in much more than we can see. And you are powerful beyond our imagination, but thank you that you became man for our sake. You died on the cross and you rose to life so that we could have hope of life beyond the grave forever with you. So help us, Lord, to keep these things in mind and to worship you today and for the rest of our lives. Amen.